Anyways, it's been a it's been a very difficult two plus years though, hasn't it? It hasn't been an easy thing, and it just keeps going on. And the hardest part about uh, you know being in this state that we're in is that you don't seem to be able to plan ahead, right? Have you noticed that you can't plan ahead for anything? You try to get make get get-togethers, projects, due dates. You know they're all fluid, and we have to continually be flexible because in a moment's notice, plans can be interrupted, right? You probably noticed that over Christmas. <laughs> in fact, actually, Holly and I, we had a vacation that we planned for Florida. We, we booked a couple of things. We did that back in, I think, 2020, and we just recently canceled it because we're like, we don't know what's going to happen. Frankly, I don't really want to go on a plane anyways uh, because we just don't know what the world is going to be like in a few months. But we really have to rely on our faith, Amen. We really have to rely on our faith and our own common sense as well, too, and uh, to know what to do and when to do it, don't we? Which is even true for meeting here together in person, which we evaluated day by day in communicating with you what the right course of action is. And I just want to echo what Pastor Janet said in last week's message. We're thankful and very proud that this body has remained committed. We really, really are. This is a body that has remained faithful in a time where so many people have questioned the relevance of absolutely everything that they do. And there are so many churches that have, have really suffered these last few years, but you guys have remained faithful. And I, I just want to say I really appreciate that. It's spoken volumes to me on the, the plan and purpose of the church at this time. So I think a good portion of us here have gotten the church part right, and there's no problem with that. We know why we come here, but I think all of us can agree that there are times where we, there's sometimes other aspects of our lives recently that seemed repetitive, they seem monotonous, and maybe sometimes without meeting. Am I the only one that thinks that? Sometimes you're kind of getting into these monotonous patterns. Has anyone ever seen the movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray? One of my favorite movies. It's so funny. Where basically the premise of the movie is he's a really rotten guy. And he's visiting this town, and he falls asleep, and he wakes up and lives the same day over and over and over and over again for what seemingly several years until he finally gets it right. Doesn't it feel like that? Doesn't it feel like Groundhog Day a little bit lately? And there were definitely times, even in the last three weeks, where Holly and I would get up and say, what day is it today? <laughs> we had our kids home with us, trying to be teachers, trying to do our jobs, trying to, trying to do everything, and it's just the same thing over and over again. You know, we would go to bed and have some relief from the, the continual demands of parenting. But a kind of dread would also kind of sit on you because you knew as your eyes closed that in a few hours you'd wake up and realize, I have to do this all over again. Got to do it all over again. And for what? What exactly are we accomplishing? What exactly are we changing? Did you ever feel that way in the last little while? Over and over again. Groundhog Day. Anyways, when I was praying what the Lord wanted me to preach. Uh, I came across uh, a, a saying that's, that it, it came, saying came to my mind that I think is sometimes attributed to uh, Einstein, but actually I think that there's some doubt in that actually he actually said that. Uh, and it's this. It's going to come up on the screen here in a second. But I'll read it to you anyways. And it's, it's a good quote. And it's this. is that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Have you heard that one before? I'll admit that there have been multiple times and occasions where I've questioned my own sanity in the last little while, haven't you? Maybe it's just me. 
Anyways, why does it feel so insane? Because I, I think if we focus on what seems like Groundhog Day, the things we do over and over again, our jobs, our responsibilities, our, our duties, uh, staying within the city's boundaries, like we've, I've hardly ever left Peterborough in the last little while, you know, only going to the grocery stores, uh, you know, week after week, if we only focus on things like this, the scary state of the world, uh, maybe some impending wars that may be happening in, in over in, in, you know, Europe, uh, you know, the, the supply chain issues, all these things. There's a million things. We only focus on those or on the unknown that may or may not happen. These are all things that where we can easily be, easily be tempted to lose heart. We can easily, uh, you know, lose heart and we may even be tempted to step away from the very call that God has on our lives. Have you noticed that when you haven't seen someone in a while recently as well too, when you haven't seen someone for a little bit, and you start talking on them, what's the one topic that you always start the conversation with these days? Did you get your shots? <laughs> yeah, that. It's COVID. It's always COVID-related, right? It's always the same topic. Nobody even talks about the weather anymore. What's going on? It's always about COVID. Let me say something, though, right? I don't really like talking about COVID anymore. How about you? I, I'm kind of tired of it. Because it seems like it's become the centerpiece of every single conversation that we have with everyone, you know what? I don't want to give it glory anymore. Right? I don't want to give it glory. But I will say this. COVID has made me some things pretty clear to me. One of the big realizations is that I'm actually not sure that the pandemic has actually uh, created many new problems. I don't think it really has created many new problems. The, the virus is a problem, but I don't think it's actually created many new problems. I think what it's done is actually served to highlight with a big, giant, neon highlighter all the problems that already existed. I mean, I look at Karen sitting back here, and I know there's nursing issues in pretty much every hospital in the world right now. And uh, those are not new problems, by the way. They've just been highlighted by what's been going on today, right? Here's another example as well, too. There's a lot of people leaving churches right now. A lot of people leaving churches. In fact, I read a, an article this last week on the United Church, and they are expecting, they, they do a lot of their own stats and everything, and they're expecting that their church might not even exist in 50 years. I hate that. That, that bothers me. I know one of our United Churches is actually closing in town here. Any place that will preach the love of Jesus, I think, is an important part of this community, and that saddens me, and I want us all to pray into that, Right? But the problem of people not wanting to come to church anymore, I don't think it really has anything to do. It's not the result of a virus. I actually think that the virus highlighted the fact that there are a lot of Christians who never understood or maybe not even cared about the importance of being in a relationship with God, one, and two, being in a relationship with the community of believers. I think it's just highlighted that problem. See what I mean? The pandemic has highlighted an existing weakness and problem. It actually hasn't really made new ones. All to say, a lot of what we've collectively felt, especially you know, the monotony of life, the, the blah we feel about doing anything today, has been supercharged by the conditions that we're in right now. And maybe could it be that this is causing us to miss the purpose that God has called us to. So make no mistake, you know, of the thousands of years that mankind has existed, God, creator of the universe... Don't forget that, chose this century, chose this decade, chose this year for you to be alive. 
You know, you think about that. We complain about what's going on right now, but God chose you to be alive right now to accomplish his purposes on earth, for you to be his mouthpiece. You know, maybe we need to to rinse off the spirit of this world and, and repeat his promises to us. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And we need to, to, to bear these promises. We need to, to bear this fruit to the world. Amen? That's good news. Hallelujah. That is good news. It's not bad news like we're seeing everywhere else. It's actually good news. Is this, there's no batteries in this now? Oh, is it working? Oh, okay. There we go. All right. It's funny how your perspective changes when you experience something firsthand, isn't it? For example, uh, this past Christmas, I, I really thought differently about Mary. You know, about the mother, as the mother of Jesus, here's a woman who was given uh, a message from an angelic being that she would give birth to the Savior of the world. Okay, big, huge, epic stuff that, she was, that was just dropped on her. She wasn't even married yet, so you can imagine the shock, right? But there was a lot that would have to happen before she would see that come to pass. Mary spent years raising a child, <laughs> cleaning, uh, you know, cleaning, uh, washing, feeding, and, and being worried about the child's safety. You know, and she would do this every day for years and years, decades. She would do that decades before she would see that message come to pass. The monotony of it all. There is a monotony in parenthood. Parenthood is a fabulous thing, but there is absolutely a monotony in it. All the parents said, amen. There is a monotony in it. You do the same things over and over and over again. It makes me wonder if Mary, in a moment of weakness, began to doubt the promise of a Savior in her son. You know, it makes me wonder that sometimes because there's nothing about the daily demands of of child rearing that could be described as grand or glorious, right? They're just repetitive sometimes and difficult. It's a lovely experience of your life, but it's hard. It's not an easy thing. And it actually reminds me of another one of uh, Jesus' parables. Now, we've been studying on, on Thursday nights the, the parable of the ten virgins, which is fantastic, by the way. There is so much in that one parable that it's, it's a fantastic study. If you're not a part of it, make sure that you join it. It's, it's fantastic. There's so much you can get out of it. And the same goes with this parable, and it's in, in Luke 13 and 6. It's this, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, and he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and I haven't found any. Just cut it down. Why should I, you know, use up all the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. It's a funny parable, isn't it? Now, I know that there's a contextual meaning in this, primarily for God's chosen people who continually did not do what was right in the eyes of God, and they did not bear fruit. And it's it's definitely a contextual meaning around that. But I can't help but also see meaning in it for us as well. You know, it says in the Bible, everything that happened to God's people then is written down as actually an example for us as well. And I can't help but seeing the pattern of, of, you know, this man, this owner, seemingly coming down to the fig tree over and over again for three years but, you know, and expecting a different result, but still seeing the same thing. He wanted fruit and he couldn't find any. But he kept doing it over and over again, expecting a different result. So 
let me ask you this. Who do you think we are in this parable? Shout out. Who do you think we are in this parable? Fig tree. That's right. We are the fig trees. We are God's fig trees today, and God is the owner. We don't own ourselves. God owns us. He created us uh, and all that we have. His blood, uh, you know, has bought us, and we are not just random trees planted haphazardly anywhere. We are trees. We're not growing wherever we want. We are growing in his vineyard, right? We are trees planted by God in his vineyard. He, therefore, has the right, guess what, to expect fruit from us as well. But don't worry, we don't have to think of God as uh, a guy with a chainsaw ready to cut us down if we don't have any fruit. That's not the way that God works, all right? Uh, no, you're his trees. So it actually means that he loves you and he takes care of you. He has chosen you. He has purposely, think about this, he has purposely planted you in his vineyard. It's kind of strange to have a fig tree in a vineyard, isn't it? But he planted you, his people, in his vineyard. The Bible tells us something that God likes. It says this, that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. The Lord loves a cheerful, cheerful, yeah, cheerful giver. And that's, that's just not in giving money, by the way. That's a good thing too. Uh, but he, wants, he loves us to give everything, all of our fruit, everything. He likes us to give everything, our time, our treasure, our talent. He likes us to give everything. He delights, he delights when we give it away cheerfully, cheerfully. Even we love trees that, that give in season, don't we? Nothing pleases Pastor John more than when his gardens are in season. He loves seeing his trees in season and when they're bearing fruit. Do you remember the example he gave this past year where the apple tree was falling over because it was bearing so much fruit? Yeah, he unfortunately had to cut that tree down, though, because it was, there was too much fruit coming off of it. He had to cut it back, and it's now it's just a little bit of a, a, little bit of a stump of some random branches coming out. But you know what? Let's pray into that. Let's, let's see fruit come from that tree again this year because there are great apples, by the way. We go through so many apples in our house, and when you know, fall comes, we have apples continually from Pastor John's tree. It's fantastic. Amen. Pastor John loves the trees planted in his vineyard, <laughs> doesn't he? And the same goes for you. The Lord loves to see the fruit that is produced by you, his precious trees. And he expects to see fruit because you are his trees planted in his vineyard. So when I think about this, this parable and how the, the caretaker said that he was going to dig around the tree, put fertilizer in it, and I hope that it would bear fruit, you know, I, it, it sounds like a good plan, right? But I can't help but think that a vineyard caretaker might have done this before. This, that, this probably wasn't a new strategy. He had probably done this before. You know, he was a, he was a caretaker. He'd done this strategy and uh, I don't think it was a new strategy, considering this is actually likely what Pastor John would have done to his trees as well, too. I'd imagine that the caretaker vineyard would do the same thing. But if he was doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, does that mean that the caretaker wasn't sane? Does it? I don't think so. Despite the saying, doing the same things repeatedly and expecting different results, you know, that does sound sane sometimes. We have to expect different results when we are faithful in doing the same things over and over again as well. I know that sounds kind of backwards, doesn't it? But when we do things in faith over and over again, we actually can expect different results. What do I mean by that? Okay, well, you can't tell me for a moment 
that when people come together in this church and pray every week for people, for the city, for our country, for world issues, you can, and they do that consistently and faithfully, you cannot tell me that that doesn't change things. You might not see it right away, but you can't tell me that that doesn't change anything. Amen? You guys can say amen behind your mask. Don't worry. It's not going to spread anything. You'll be fine. You cannot tell me that when people consistently come into this building with the expectation that the Holy Spirit is going to come, you can't tell me that that is not going to bear fruit, that something is going to happen, that something is going to change in them. You can't tell me that. Bottom line is this. You can't tell me that faithfulness is insanity. Why is that? Because we're relying on a God who wants every action that we take, every single action that we take and make, to be done entirely in faith. In fact, the scripture surprisingly says that anything that is not done in faith is sin. Isn't that a funny verse? Anything that we do that is not done in faith is actually sin. That's in Romans uh, 14, 23. We do it in faith, and he is the one who applies the fertilizer. Even from the practical side of, of, of life, you know, when we train our children, you know, we do it sometimes tirelessly, Make your bed, make your bed, eat your food, eat your food, comb your hair, comb your hair, comb your hair, get your snow pants on, get your hair done. We gotta go, we gotta go, eat your food, please, come on. We, see, we do things tirelessly over and over again, knowing that, please, Lord, eventually that they will get it, right? We think that eventually they're gonna get it. So instead of insanity, when we do things as unto the Lord, it's actually faithfulness to do the same thing over and over again. And you know what? We actually should expect different results. Right? If we're doing something in faith, we should expect different results. It's kind of backwards, isn't it? But think about this. Kim just went down there with the kids this morning. And Connie takes the kids down, and Jess was as well, too. They do that week after week after week after week. Do you think that they do that and they're not expecting any results? Do you think that the praise team comes up here on the stage week after week after week after week after week singing songs, expecting that it's just going to be the same thing, that they're just going to sing songs and come down and they go, oh, that was great? No, they're expecting results. Do you think that I come here and Pastor John, Jad, the pastoral team come up here preaching every week after week after week after week after week, thinking, oh, well, that was, uh, I guess I that was fine, I guess, I don't know, I just, I just did it. No, I expect that there's going to be fruit. I expect that there's going to be a results from the work that I do as unto the Lord. And we can be the same way. When we do things as unto the Lord, whatever it is, even your job can be as unto the Lord. You should expect results. You should expect fruit. I expect fruit. Do you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, this past summer... Uh, we have a deck on the back of our house, and uh, it was a nice wood there originally, and we put it down, and uh, it got weathered, and now the kids were running on it, and they were getting these giant splinters in, in their feet because I'm too lazy to sand it down. Uh, so I decided, you know what, this is, this is enough of this. I'm going to just replace it. I'm going to put some of that fake, you know, Trex type of wood down on it so that I don't have to ever have to worry about it again. And so I got a quote from somebody to put it down. And I looked at the quote. I'm like, and the quote for re actually removing the wood from the deck was really high. Like, it was really, like, I'm, I mean, come on, really? Uh, so I'm like, you know what, I'll, I'll, we'll go with you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to demo it myself. I'm going to take the wood up myself, and uh, I'll take care of that. It can't be that hard. It was a difficult job, let me tell you. I've got 
I've got these uh, DeWalt drills that I have at home that, that look pristine. Anyone that works in construction price, you would laugh at my drills because they look so pristine because I don't use them really all that much, right? But I have two of them, and honestly, I must have, I, you know those, those orange Home Depot buckets that you can get? I filled an entire bucket with screws that I had to pull out. My drills kept, they just kept burning out. Like I had to let them cool off. I had to continue to switch the batteries. It took me... I would say probably 10 hours just to unscrew it all. I went through all kinds of bits. Uh, they, they just ran, like it was a hard job. Now I know why that repetitive job was so expensive because it was insane to do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as, as painful and as uncomfortable as it was, I knew that doing this repetitive action over and over again would result in something better than what I had, right? Something better than I currently have. The only insane part was to think that I should do it myself. But I did. Anyways, of course, God is not insane. He knows what does and does not produce fruit on his trees. And because of that, he also knows what not to do. And here's one thing that he does not do. He, you know, he doesn't think that we can actually produce fruit without him. He knows that we need him. You know, he has to dig around us and put on fertilizer Give us a boost, a push in the right direction. And it's that digging part that we actually don't really like all that much. Funny, isn't it? Why is it that we don't like that digging? Because it, it disturbs us. I have uh, a, a plant at home. It's a grand plant. It's called a bird of paradise. You ever seen one of those plants before? It's got these giant leaves on it. And we got it. We picked it up, and it was nice and small. We put it into our house. We just take care of it, and, and now it's, it's taken over. It's huge. It's massive leaves. It's wide, tall. It's a huge plant. And uh, I, at one point, I was like, this is getting too big for this area. It's, it's getting in the way. I'm going to move it. And it had all these brand-new shoots kind of sticking out of it. And I moved it to another part of the house, and guess what? It, it hated it. Immediately, the shoots bent over. It snapped down without me touching them. It, it, it got mad. It got so mad at me. That it started to break itself in, in protest. So what did I do? I put it back to where, where it was. It didn't like being disturbed. And when I put it back into its place, it started going its shoots again. It started being happy again. In fact, where, the, be, where the, the shoots bent over and broke off, it started growing new shoots out of the old broken one. I think there's a sermon illustration that's somewhere. I had to think about that one. Maybe think, though. Have you noticed how many people have flopped over these last two years because they've been disturbed, you know, and they so desperately want to be put back into the same place. Have you noticed that? The truth is that, that we belong in the vineyard. This is where we are planted. This is where we are meant to be. And we just might need to be disturbed a little bit sometimes. We might need some, you know what the translation sometimes says, it doesn't say fertilizer, it says manure in some translations. You know, sometimes we might need some manure spread around us. Right? Right? Do you agree with me on that? If you agree with me, I'd say, hey, what's that smell? <laughs> Amen. Maybe you don't see much fruit right now, but, but take this away with you today. The best fruit of all is to be planted in the vineyard. That's the best fruit of all, to be rooted in Jesus. If you have that, then you are where the caretaker can actually bring you into his, its purpose, into you, to your purpose. Hey, remember uh, Mary and Martha when Jesus came over? 
Martha's fruit, do you remember what, Mar- what was Martha's fruit? What, was she, what did she do? She went and worked in the kitchen. That was her fruit. Mar- Martha went and worked in the kitchen. What was Mary's fruit? To sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him. Which, which fruit did Jesus prefer? Mary's. At that moment, Mary was planted in the vineyard. Jesus actually said, blessed are those who hear the word of God. And he also said, my sheep hear my voice. Every fruit will come from hearing him, doing everything you can do to be close to him. It may seem monotonous at times. It may seem like Groundhog Day, sometimes the things that we do over and over again. you know. But our faithfulness to him, our faithfulness to his word is what is going to bear fruit in your life. It's in fact what has brought us through these last couple of years, isn't it? Listening to his voice, being rooted in him. That's what saved me in those last two years. That's what made me not be fearful. That's what's made me not have to worry about too much, is knowing that I'm rooted in him, and I'm in his vineyard, and he is taking care of me. You'll see fruit. We're going to see fruit. You're blessed for being here. The more your eyes are on Christ, the more fruit your tree will produce. Beautiful fruit. And the opposite, unfortunately, is also true. The less your eyes are on Christ, the less fruit you're going to produce. Have you noticed that a lot of people that were really strong Christians and sometimes have traded their, their, their passion for Christ for the passion for, for something else, usually something political, or I'm not going to name it because I don't want to give it any glory, but they've traded their passion for Jesus for another passion. And you know what? I don't see any fruit from what they're doing now. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because I want to have the harvest to start in my tree, don't you? I want the harvest to start with me. And I know you feel the same way. As your pastor, I, I want again want to thank you for your faithfulness, for even being here today. Thank you for your steadfastness. Thank you for your fruit. You know, I really do not believe that we are stagnant. I don't think that we're stagnant. I think that we are actually full of life. We are full of life. We are in season. Amen? We are in season. And you know what? It is going to be different. The more faithful we are, the more we keep our eyes on Jesus, the more we keep our focus on him and nothing else that tries to distract us, the more fruit we're going to bear, the more effective we'll be in everything that we do. Amen? Yeah. I'm going to ask you to, to just pray this along with me now today. Uh, you can close your eyes. You don't need to stand up. We can just sit where we are. I just want you to focus on Jesus right now. Keep your eyes fixed on him. And I want you to to just pray this along with me in your spirit. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord, today we ask for help. Help us to have the actions, the words, the wisdom necessary to bear good fruit. May the things we think, the things we say, and all that we do bear much fruit. We commit to your pruning. We commit to you disrupting our comfort so that the fruit of your spirit will sprout from us. Let the fruit of your spirit abound in us. Let your love, let your joy, let your peace, let your patience, let your kindness, let your generosity, your faithfulness, your gentleness, your self-control be the recognizable fruit on our branches. This fruit is not monotonous. It is not boring. It is life-giving. And we thank you that in a day like today, when all else fails and has lost its luster, we find purpose and we find meaning in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Amen. I believe this is going to be a year where we bear much fruit. Amen. We're going to see things change. It's going to be different. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you for being here today. Have a great week. Be safe. And we'll see you again next Sunday. God bless you.